Good morning, Pennington. Good morning. Uh, my name is Rachel, and I have the joy of sharing from God's Word with you this morning. Um, so I typically serve as a, I, not typically, I serve as the worship director um, here at Pennington, and it's been such a joy to be a part of this family um, for about uh, the past year now. Um, and we here at Pennington believe that God speaks to us as a body Um, And so I might be the one standing up here and giving the word today, but I'm not the only one that God is speaking to. Um, And so if you feel that God is speaking to you, grab one of those white cards that are on the seats around you and write down what you feel that God is saying. If it feels like this is a word for the church body as a whole, feel free to bring it up to one of our staff um, in the front and we'll discern what God is saying together. Um, Church, we want to be a a body that like functions together as a whole. We don't want to do it just as like one by one, people all alone. Um, We want to do it as a body together. And so feel free to press into that as the Lord is speaking. Um, Let's move into our text for today. Um, And so from the end of May, we've been looking at the person of the Holy Spirit and how he is at work in the church, what his role is in our daily lives. Last week, we looked at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and Pastor Brian led us through um, how the gifts show us that God is at work in our body. Um, And today, we are going to look at the second half of 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to look at verses 12 to 31. We've been sitting for a little bit, so if you would, if you're able, would you stand with me as we read God's word together? This is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 to 31. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. My text is messed up, so I'm going to look over here. Um, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the most honorable parts Do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Here are some of the parts God has appointed for the church. First are apostles, second are prophets, third are teachers, then those who do miracles, those who have the gifts of healing, those who can help others, those who have the gift of leadership, those who speak in unknown languages. Are we all apostles? Are we all prophets? Are we all teachers? Do we all have the power to do miracles? Do we all have the gift of healing? Do we all have the ability to speak in unknown languages? Do we all have this ability to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. But you should, know, you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. But now let me show you a way of life that is best. You can be seated. Let's pray. 
Jesus, we come before you knowing that you are the living God and that you desire to speak to us today. God, we might be coming in with burdens and questions and doubts. And God, thank you that you are a God who's able to handle all of that, and that you're able to meet us here. Lord, would our ears be open to hear what you have to say? God, would you come do your work in us? Um, would you speak? Um, people don't need to hear from me. God, we need to hear from you. So come, Lord Jesus, and do your work among us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Friends, welcome to the family. Um, in November of 2021, a song swept a across the nation, rising to the number one position in the charts as children and adults sang everywhere, We Don't Talk About Bruno. Disney released its new movie, Encanto, introducing us to the family Madrigal. Um, and I'm hoping that as we're going through, you're not singing um, <laughs> the song, and hopefully we can stay on track here. Um, but the family Madrigal lives in a magical house called the Encanto. Um, and each member of the family has their own special gift. Luisa has super strength. Um, Isabella can make flowers grow and make everything beautiful, much like Caitlin Briggs. Um, and Dolores has crazy hearing. She can hear a pin drop from a mile away. And the list goes on and on. And these gifts are given to them by the Encanto, the magical house that they live in, and are given to them for the sake of their community. It's not just so Luisa can be super strong to be super strong, but rather so that she can help the community. You see her like lifting donkeys, things like that. Here's the thing. We can watch a movie like Encanto, watch it with our kids and, and get excited about this thing that isn't really real. Um, and we can say, hey, that's nice. This house gives them magical powers. They can do all of these things. Um, too bad it's not real. I can't have super strength or things like that. Well, you might not have super strength, but spoiler alert, we are invited into an even better reality as the family of God. Um, we talked about this last week. The Spirit of God is at work in his church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 to 7, it tells us that God works in different ways, but it is the same God who works in us all. And a spiritual gift is given to us so that we can help one another. Uh, but before we can go further on in the text this morning, we need an identity check. Um, we need to know who we are, not just as individuals, but rather as a corporate body together. And so friends, we are the body of Christ. This is who we are. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part in it. Each and every one of us plays a part in this body, in this family. We're all welcome and have a seat at the table. Have you ever been to a wedding, right, and you go to that table that has all of the name place cards, and you find your name, you're looking, you see all the names. So if you're at an Indian Christian wedding, it's all like John Matthew, John Luke, John George, right? All of the Johns, and then we go through, we go through, we go through, and we find it. Sam, John, and family, right? That's my dad's family. We've been invited. There's a space for us at this wedding. Friends, we have a seat at the table as the family of God. 1 Corinthians 12, verses 13 to 21. There's going to be a lot of reading of the text here today, okay? It's a good text. Um, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts. We are the different parts, not just one part, right? And we go on and we move forth. You are welcome to take a seat at the table with your ethnic identity, Right, so I get to come take a seat at the table as a South Asian woman. 
You are welcome in your socioeconomic status. You are welcome in your gender identity. You are welcome to come and take a seat at the table of the family of God. And we have been brought into this body, into this family, by the spirit of the living God that is at work in us. There's a level playing field for all of us to come now, to come and reach. The potatoes aren't too far away from anybody, right? We all have access to it. And each of these parts are important and play a specific function. Your gifts and how you function in your gifts is critical to the overall body of Christ. Our body will not function properly if you're not there and if you're not doing your part. No one gets to say to anyone else that their gift doesn't matter. And you don't get to opt out because you think your gift doesn't matter. We all have a part to play here as the body of Christ. And so church, as a family, as the body of Christ... Our power and gifting doesn't come from a magical house. It comes from the Spirit of God that is at work inside of us. This is the same Spirit of God that was at work in us in salvation, the same Spirit of God that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit of God that was at work in the early church, bringing healing and freedom to the people. That is the Spirit of God that's inside of us. And there is a whole slew of people out there in our neighborhoods, in our office spaces, in our schools who have yet to be invited into this incredible family, into this body of Christ. And my prayer for us as we press in this morning is that as we go into the text um, and as we walk out of these doors, that we would go back to the places that God has called us to be, um, that we would have eyes to see what God sees, that we would have ears to hear what he's saying, and that as a family of God, as the body of Christ, we would have a heart that would respond to God in obedience um, to what he has to say. Amen? So what does it mean for us to have eyes to see? Uh, Let's jump to Matthew chapter 12, verses 9 to 14. Then Jesus went over to their synagogue where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. The Pharisees asked Jesus, does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? They were hoping he would say yes so they could bring charges against him. And he answered, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull it out? Of course you would. And how much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand. And it was restored, just like the other one. Then the Pharisees called a meeting to plot how they could kill Jesus. Maddie led us through this passage on Wednesday in our staff meeting, and it's been messing with me, like, all week. Um, This line at the end, then the Pharisees called a meeting to see how they could kill Jesus. Jesus literally heals a withered hand, a hand that's not functional. Jesus speaks to it, tells it to work, and it works. Right? Like Jesus does his thing in his typical Jesus fashion. He, the Pharisees ask him a question. He's like, here's another question for you. Um, and then he does this healing, bringing restoration to this man. But the Pharisees cannot see what Jesus is doing. Why? Because their focus is how are we going to trap Jesus in the law? How are we going to get to him? This is our agenda. We're going to push after it. And they miss what God is doing right in front of them. They miss this healing that's happening. Friends, sadly, we are often like the Pharisees. God is at work here in front of us. God is moving in front of us, but we are often so captivated by our own plans that we completely miss what Jesus is doing in the room. Maybe we're so consumed by where we're going to lunch after this or like what we're going to eat that we completely miss what God might be doing here and now. 
um, what God was maybe doing in worship as we declared the holiness and the worthiness of God. Um, as we enter into God's word, what is he doing here and now? How often are we consumed by our own lives that we miss out on seeing the people that God has put right in front of us, wondering if God sees them, if God knows them, if God loves them. But sometimes we just don't see because our eyes are clouded by the things that we're looking at. And sometimes we can't see what Jesus is doing in the room because how we see things and how we want to see things doesn't line up with how Jesus actually sees things. Um, and if that is the case, then friends, we need a change in our perception this morning. In 1 Corinthians 12, verses 24, 22 to 24, it says, In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. You know when you stub your pinky toe. It's going to let you know, right? You would think pinky toe, not that important. No, it hurts real bad, right? And the parts that we regard less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. And so we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen, while the more honorable parts do not require the special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. See, God's design is intentional. It's not by happenstance or coincidence. The invitation for us is to see across the board, to see how God sees to see maybe those who are weak and vulnerable, those who have crazy gifts but are like, I don't know how to do this. I don't know what to do with this. And to actually say, hey, no, we believe in what God is doing in you. We're going to come alongside you and encourage you into the work that God's called you to. We as a church are called to care for and champion one another. And so we need to ask God to give us eyes to see as he does. And as we do that, we also ask God to grant us ears to hear. Sometimes when we talk about listening to God's voice, it can be a little scary, right? We expect a big booming voice to come out of heaven that maybe sounds a little bit like Morgan Freeman, right? And we might question what the voice of God sounds like. It can, we can often think, hey, is God actually talking to us or are we going crazy? Like, am I having a hallucination? Here's a really easy rule for us to remember. God's voice, it's always going to sound like this book. What you have learned about God's character, about his nature, about his love, his gentle care, his mercy, that's what God's voice is going to sound like. Who you have seen and experienced God to be in the pages of scripture, listen for that. God is at work and he has something to say to you. And when we listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying, when we listen to what God is saying, then we can care for the body of Christ really well. This is verse, verses 25 and 26. This makes for a harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Um, did y'all hear how pretty it was when they were singing Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus? Like, Lindsay was here, Katie was up here, Sammy was down here. All the parts just fit in so beautifully. I was like, man, this is so good. I wish I could sit in the audience like every week. It would be great. Um, but that's what it sounds like when the body of Christ cares for one another. It's that beautiful. It makes you want to do more. It makes you want to enter into what God is doing. So listen for what's happening in the community around you, and then listen to the Spirit of God as he says, hey, go do this. Go talk to that person who maybe looks a little bit off or seems a little bit sad. I have something to say to them, right? Listen to the voice of God. When my brother was born, when Sammy was born, my mom's parents came. They immigrated over from India to help us take care of him. 
Um, and so I was blessed with having my Opajin and my Omichi or my grandfather and my grandmother live with us as I was growing up. And I grew up um, from when I was eight hearing my grandmother praying in her room. When I say hearing, I mean you could hear her from everywhere, right? Like you could be in the laundry room in the basement and you can hear my Omiji, my grandmother, praying because she prayed really loud. Um, and as she would pray, she would pray for different people in our family. And whenever she would pray for me, I would always end up like a little bit like, what are you doing? Um, what are you saying here? How did you know this happened at school? How did you know I was feeling this way or this is what I was going through? Um, and, I, and then she would be like, I don't know. This is how the Spirit told me to pray. Um, well, she didn't say it in English, but like that was her response in our, in, our, um, in our mother tongue. And I really appreciated that gift later on as I grew up. I actually called her this morning to pray for me um, as I was coming in. Um, and there would be times where I would just pick up the phone from college, like overwhelmed by loneliness, anxiety, worrying about everything in the world that I didn't need to worry about. And I wouldn't say anything. And my, my grandma would just know, and she knew exactly how to pray because she was already listening to the voice of the Spirit. And every time I would hang up the phone call, for, like after talking to my grandma, even after her praying for me, I would walk out like into my exams, into the, the people I was around, into my dorm room differently because my grandma's words, her prayers had breathed life back into me. And that's what happens when the Spirit of God is at work. And so you can, you can say like, hey, that's your grandma, she knows how you are. She can pick up on your body language. Maybe, maybe it wasn't the spirit, right? Let me tell you another story. Um, let me tell you a story about how God was at work in my grandfather, my Apogen. Um, so my family is from Kerala in India, which is the, the southernmost tip all the way down here. And so my grandfather had moved all the way up north to Nagaland for work, and so they speak Hindi up there. But in this middle section, there is a state called Maharashtra, and in Maharashtra, they speak Marathi. Uh, my grandfather has never been there. He doesn't know the language. Um, and so when they were in the United Arab Emirates in church, one day my grandfather is sitting in church listening to the Holy Spirit, and he begins to speak in other languages and other tongues. And as he speaks, there is a, a man who had come from Maharashtra to the church sitting near my grandfather. And he goes to my grandfather after the service. He's like, have you been to Maharashtra? And my grandfather's like, no. Um, and he's like, but you were speaking in Marathi the whole time. And you told me exactly what God was saying to me, exactly what I needed to hear. My grandfather began to talk about the works of God from how God was at work in this man's life from when he was a young man up until now. That's what it looks like when the Spirit of God is at work. That's how God can move in our body. And friends, this isn't how the Spirit of God just moved in the book of Acts when we read Acts 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and so on. But this is how the Spirit of God can be at work in our body here and now. Amen? And so we listen to the Spirit of God. The gifts of God come alive in us when we do that. If you don't know what your gifts are, ask God. He's the one who gave them to you. If you don't know how God wants you to use your gifts, ask him. He'll let you know. What are the unique gifts that you've been given to care for the body of Christ? What about the people around you? What are the gifts that they have? What can you call out in them as the gifts that God has given them? And as we ask God, we're not just doing this by ourselves, right? We're doing this in community, discerning as a community. I need you to call out in me the gifts that God has put into me. I have a responsibility to call out in you the gifts that God 
has put into you. Um, So as we ask God to open our ears to what he's saying, to open our eyes to see, we actually also need to ask him to silence the voice of the enemy and to sometimes silence even our own voice. Because here's what happens, right? Pride and ego will tell us that we don't need to worry about our brother and sister. Pride and ego will tell us, hey, they're okay. Somebody else will do it. You don't need to go out of your way to make sure that you can care for them in this way. Doubt and fear will tell us, hey, you're actually not good enough to do this. You don't have this gifting. You can't do this, right? And these things will keep us away from what God is doing. But as we listen to the voice of the Spirit, with the Holy Spirit silence the lie of the enemy as we press into what God is doing, as into what he has to say to us. And so we ask God for eyes to see, ears to hear. We also need to ask him to change the posture of our hearts so we can respond to him in obedience. See, obedience is really hard. Um, I think, Sammy will tell you this is true, right? The thing that my dad will say the most in our house is, you need to honor your father and mother. You need to obey us. Um, Because, believe it or not, I am a rebel. Um, I want to do things my own way. Um, I want to do things the way I want to do them. I don't want to listen to somebody else. Um, From the moment that we were little kids, we started off on this rat race looking for success to find meaning and purpose in our lives. Our personal success became what we chased after, our life's motto, and we would do anything that we needed to do to get that. If that meant taking the cool Tonka trunk from the other little kid, that's what we were going to do because we are all that we cared about. As a a child of immigrants, the narrative that I grew up with is do your absolute best in school so that you can then go to the best college to get the best job, have a high-paying salary. You don't have to depend on anyone else. You can do it all your own. Clearly, God had other plans for me as I'm in ministry, right? Like, we're doing things a little bit differently. But the narrative of the kingdom of God is so much different from the American dream. The narrative of the kingdom of God actually says that in the kingdom of God, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. The kingdom of God says he who wants to be great among you must first become a servant. In the kingdom of God, two tiny fish and five loaves are enough to feed the multitudes with more than enough. And in the kingdom of God, the one who denied Jesus before his death is the very same one who stands up in Acts chapter 2 declaring the message of the gospel and, th- and 3,000 people are added to the church in one day. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. And the narrative of the kingdom of God requires our hearts to be postured differently. If we want our hearts to respond in obedience, we have to look to Jesus He is the epitome of obedience and sacrifice. And so let me read for us from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 8. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with one another, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God 
and died a criminal's death on the cross. Friends, the reality is that more often than not, our hearts are postured towards the rat race. We want our own success. We want for us to be top dog, right? We want to be able to sit on the throne. But the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God means that God is seated on his throne and we are not. It means that we get to enter into service and into being children of God who are here and say, ready, you know what, God, whatever you want, we'll do it. And Paul writes to um, a church in Corinth and says to them in verse 31, he says, desire the most helpful gifts. Sometimes when we think about the gifts of the Spirit, right, we're like, ooh, I want prophecy, or I want tongues, or I want healing, so I can go boom, 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 and everything is done, right? Like, we get to bring the healing, like, we look really cool in front of other people. That's not what the gifts of the Spirit are about. The gifts of the Spirit are given to you so that you can help your community to come and see this beautiful Jesus. And so what does that look for you like a teacher, or maybe as an engineer, as a software developer, right? Like, what does that look like? For you as a stay-at-home parent, what does that look like? That the gifts of God would be given to you so that your children could come to see Jesus? That the gifts of God would be given to you so that your coworkers can come and know the fullness and the beauty and the wonder of Jesus? The gifts of God are not for our own gain, but rather they are for the uplifting and bettering of the body of Christ, for our family to become better. But why should we look to Jesus in this? 1 Corinthians 12, 3 says that no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God has already been working in us, drawing us to the person and the wonder of Jesus. You have been drawn in and brought into the family of God by the Spirit of God. And we need this Spirit to remind us every day of what God has done. And so I'm going to read for us from Ephesians 2, and it's going to be verses 14 to 18. It's going to be a long passage, but church, I want to invite us to press into this passage because this is what God has done for us in giving us Jesus. This is the family that we have been invited to. And so if you want to say amen, if you want to respond to God's word as we read this, I'm going to invite you to do that. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 to 18. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. Don't forget that you Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called uncircumcised heathens by the Jews. You were proud 
who were proud of their circumcision, even though it affected only their bodies and not their hearts. In those days, you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from citizenship among the people of Israel, and you did not know the covenant promises God had made to them. You lived in this world without God and without hope, but now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you have been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. For Christ himself has brought peace to us. He united Jews and Gentiles into one people when in his own body on the cross he broke down the wall of hostility that separated us. He did this by ending the system of the law with its commands and regulations. He made peace between Jews and Gentiles by creating in himself one new people from two groups together as one body. Christ reconciled both groups to God by means of his death on the cross and our hostility towards each other was put to death. He brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him and peace to the Jews who were near. Now all of us, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Amen. Amen. Friends, this, this is why we should look to Jesus. As we desire the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, as we move and function as one body together, we're not doing this, this, and this, but we're actually moving forward. We're taking steps together as the body of Christ. And we do it, why? Because we have been welcomed into the family of God. Because of what Jesus has done in taking people who are dead in their trespasses and sins and raising them to life, because of this, we get to come and say, come, God, change our hearts. Make our hearts like yours. I'm going to start to close, right? There's seven closings. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, when I came to Pennington, um, I think it's been a little bit over a year now, right? Um, every time I would walk through those doors, I would feel like I was coming home to, like, my family's house. Um, it would feel like family here. And in the season of life that I was in, I was experiencing deep loneliness, longing for community. All of my friends had gotten married and moved away. Um, I was questioning my calling, wondering if ministry was the right space for me. And God used this church, this body of believers, uh, to change my life in such a significant way. Your gifts of hospitality made me feel welcome. Your gifts of encouragement reminded me of who I am in Christ as a daughter of the Most High God. Your gifts of discernment reminded me of God's call and purpose in my life. And your gifts of healing have breathed life back into painful and broken spaces of my life. I am grateful to call Pennington AG my home church, to call this family. Church, I have seen the Spirit of God at work in this body. And I stand here as a result of that. God is at work here. In March, the leadership team and the staff met together to pray and plan. Um, and in our prayer time, I saw an image of the backyard of our church. And there were, there were like no fences there. And families were coming in, just like loads and loads of families, like running to the church because they knew that there was something here that they needed. And this image has stuck with me since March. Um, and it's been something that I've prayed through. 
Um, and as we've been in this gift series, there's something about that image that the Spirit of God has been bringing up for me over and over again. Um, these families, their faces were filled with joy in this image that I saw in prayer because they knew there was something here. And friends, what would it look like if in our church body, we as Pennington AG were full of the gifts of the Spirit of God and had the gifts of the Spirit actively at work in us, that the community around us, that Pennington and Hopewell would know that the Spirit of God is at work here and that when they walk through those doors, they would be given everything that they need because they could come and see Jesus. How would our church look different? How would our neighborhoods, our offices, our schools look different because of the Spirit of God working in us as a body together? Here's my real closing. I'm going to close and give us a chance to respond to Jesus. If you are a follower of Jesus in the room, I think there are two invitations for us. And I say us because I'm going to be right there responding to what God has spoken. Some of us in this room might need to come to God in repentance. From pride and ego um, and into the way of the upside-down kingdom. Where have we allowed pride and ego to stop us from responding to the things of God and what he's doing? Where have we allowed our pride and ego to think that we are better than and exalt ourselves in our position? For some of us, we might need to come to Jesus and confess I've allowed doubt and fear to stop me in the things that you've called me to, God, and I want to say yes to your lordship over every area of my life. Um, and then I think there's an invitation for us to come to Jesus and ask him to give us the gifts that are needed in, the com in our community. What does our community need? Do they need healing? If you're an athlete in the room, could you imagine what would happen in like gym locker rooms if you walked in with the gift of healing? Like, how different would that be? If you're a therapist or a counselor and God filled you with the gift of encouragement, how different would sessions look? If you were a teacher, right, and God filled you with hospitality and being able to welcome students in who maybe don't feel welcome in their own homes, how different would that look? And so what is the gift that is most helpful, most needed for your context? God didn't place you where he's placed you by accident. He placed you there intentionally. And I believe that God is at work and that his spirit can give us exactly what we need so that we can make a difference in the spaces that God's called us to. And so I'm going to invite you to come and ask God. And I believe that our God is a generous God and that he gives generously. And if you're not a follower of Jesus here in this room, I want to invite you to come and be a part of this family. The family of God is unlike any other thing. It's one where our, our Father is welcoming and open. And he invites you to come and have a seat at this table. And he doesn't do that with an empty promise, but rather he gave his son Jesus to come into this world and die a death that we maybe deserve, what we rightly deserved, so that we could be welcomed into this family. We can come and take a seat. You're welcome to come and take a seat at the table. And if you want to know what that looks like, you're welcome to come talk to me, talk to Pastor Brian, anyone on our staff team. We'd love to welcome you in. But let me pray for us. And church, would you stand with me as we pray, as we close out together? I'm going to pray for us, um, and we'll take a minute to listen to what God has to say, how he's inviting us. And then as the worship team plays softly, we'll think and respond to God. But I want to invite us to come up into this altar. Um, 
whether you are feeling a need to confess, whether it's, I, I want the gifts of the Spirit. I want God to be at work in me, in my community, and where he's placed me. I'm going to invite you to come. Let me pray for us. Jesus, you are worthy of blessing, glory, honor, and power. Thank you that you are at work here in your church. And so God, would you show us what you're doing? Would you lead our hearts so that we would have eyes to see as you see, ears to hear what your Holy Spirit is saying, and hearts that would respond to you in obedience? God, we trust that you're at work. And we trust that you're a generous God who gives gifts to his people. And so, Lord, would you come and do your work among us? We thank you for giving your son, Jesus, to die for our sins. But thank you that he not only, that he didn't just die, but that he rose again. And that because of what he has done, we are now welcomed into the family of God. We thank you that we are your body. And would we be as such? And it's in your name that we pray. Yeah. And invite us into worship together.